If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Did you know that I'm back doing another live show? Yes, I know. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's called The Stalker and I share investigations where I learned probably a little too much about that murky world. The show is on Saturday, the 25th of February at the State Library of Victoria. Tickets are through Eventbrite. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. Thank you. They need that understanding, if you like, that it's normal to be nervous. It's normal to be frightened. It's fear of the unknown. But your evidence is like so important. You may remember around September last year, we spoke with Anne O'Brien when she was in Gundawindi on a travelling holiday with her husband. Anne retired last year after 25 years as part of a team within the OPP, the Office of Public Prosecutions. Anne was highly trained and part of a team within the OPP who supported victims in any matter referred to the OPP by police. Although police and the OPP are different organisations and they've got different roles, they work together on criminal cases. Court, for most people, is intimidating, a mixture of anxiety, pressure, uh, stress, other uncomfortable emotions, and that's where Anne and her colleagues' expertise came in. Anne's role required compassion, patience, empathy, kindness, and warmth 
to support a victim in giving evidence in the most serious of trials, including homicides, rapes and fatal car accidents. Anne could read her victims like a book. The court, including judges, would seek Anne's advice sometimes on whether a victim was capable of giving evidence and if not, the reasons why, remembering that without the victim's testimony, there's no court case. No pressure, Anne. (laughs) Anne's role had many facets, including explaining to the victim or witness how the court system worked, keeping the victim updated on the case progress, providing advice on giving evidence in court, uh, explaining to the victim certain decisions that had been made during the case and why a certain decision had been made, supporting the victim during meetings with lawyers and, if required, refer them to other specialist services for further support, for example, like a child witness service, a witness assistance program and court network. And and her colleagues can, in certain circumstances, sit with a victim or witness when they have been approved to provide evidence remotely, which might be uh, due to, say, fear or intimidation of the accused. For instance, they can organise a court support dog when giving evidence. They can organise a screen in court so that the victim giving evidence doesn't have to see the accused while giving evidence and close the court to the public while giving their evidence. The only thing Anne couldn't do or didn't do (laughs) was actually give evidence for the victim or the witness. I'd met Anne way back uh, in around the early 90s when I began specialising in sex offence investigations and going to trial. And I called on Anne and her expertise many times and we've remained good friends, great friends ever since. So why the delay, I hear you say, between parts one, which was released in October, to only now you hearing part two? Well, you may not believe this, but I'm going to try. I'd been thinking for a while about why we hadn't done part two, because I thought that our first podcast was actually quite riveting. (laughs) And I knew Anne had been back for a while from her travels, and uh, we had arranged for a group of us to have lunch on Wednesday, the 25th of January, which was yesterday. And I thought I'd ask her then about organising a second interview. So I sit down at the table and the first thing Anne says to me is, what happened to part two, Hollywood? Was I shit or something, was I? And I said, what do you mean? I was going to ask you, when are we doing the second podcast? And she actually looked at me like I had two heads. She insisted that she'd done part two. And for a couple of minutes, I actually thought I was going mad. I couldn't remember doing part two for the life of me. And we worked out, we did it when they arrived back, and it was around the start of October. I texted the boys from Black Salmon, suggesting that (laughs) maybe they'd misplaced the recording. But I was then assured that there was no part two in the bank, in the recording bank. So on arriving home from lunch... I checked my recordings and sure enough, there was part two, which I'd recorded with Anne, but I hadn't sent through to Black Salmon's wonderful, amazing editor, Craig. Why hadn't I done that? What the hell was going on? I just couldn't work it out. But then I looked at the date of our recording of part two and there was the answer. 
the 11th of October, 2022. And two days later, the 13th of October, is when our world was turned upside down with the floods. (laughs) Uh, So with some magic work by Craig, here's part two. And I hadn't gone completely mad. (laughs) All right, hope you enjoy it. Have a good week. So, Anne, talking about giving evidence remotely, I just want to clarify here, did we uh, advise the listeners that you can be in a room within the court, uh, within the court, uh, as in the court um, house, but but you could also be, because I remember once we were next door in, uh, this is at Bendigo, yeah. we're actually mm-hmm. in a room next door. So you don't actually have to be in the vicinity of the court with this Correct. room. With, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And now as well in Metropolitan, if you're in the, County Court in Melbourne, um, you can actually give evidence from um, a remote witness facility located at the Office of Public Prosecutions, which is a great advantage um, uh, for people because they're in their comfort zone. They've been to conferences there. Um, They've met the Crown lawyers there. So it's not uh, an unfamiliar place and there's no way that they're going to run into um, an accused person in the elevator mm. um, or at the security when you're um, lining up to go through security to get into the building. Mm. Uh, so, yes, that's a real, um, uh, that's a really, really positive innovation for people. You know, um, when you think about it, there's been a lot of positive innovations with mm. uh, witnesses and victims giving evidence, isn't there? Like, you're right, mm-hmm. I can remember at the at the Shepparton Court, oh, that was horrendous because we were Ugh. all... We were all in this very, very small area. You couldn't get away. People would pass. You just... It was horrendous, horrendous. Yeah. Mm. And some of those country courts... Um, still are, uh, but they've uh, stopped hearing sexual assault cases there and they've moved them to the larger, um, more modern courts. So, for example, if your um, matter happened in sale, um, you uh, your sexual assault happened in the sale vicinity and would normally go to the sale court, you can go to the Morwell Court now, which has mm-hmm. um, got mm-hmm. all of those innovations. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so mm-hmm. when you've got a, a witness or a victim giving evidence remotely, you obviously have direct contact with the judge and the prose- prosecution and defence, is that right? Uh, so if I'm sitting in the room, I have contact with the associate, who's the judge's assistant, or yep. the tip staff, or both. Um, mm-hmm. So I have contact with the judge's staff, and I also have contact with the uh, prosecutor and or solicitor um, mm-hmm. for the Crown. No contact with defence. Oh, okay. All right. And also, can you show them any compassion as in uh, comfort, I should say. Can you physically hold their hand or put your arm around? No. no, okay. No, no. And look, Narelle, I tend not to do that anyway. Um, a lot of people who have been sexually assaulted don't appreciate you touching them. Yes, true. And I actually trained, when I trained um you know, new people coming into the office 
um, I always make sure that I tell them that unsolicited um, contact with a sexual assault victim can be fraught. Don't do it. Mm. Um, mm. A, a victim will often open up their arms to give you a hug. That's different. Yeah, true. Because they're encouraging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've 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 initiated that contact, but um, yeah. Otherwise, don't touch them. Mm. Don't yeah, touch people. Have Have you ever? been the social work worker or had to be in uh, the in a remote facility with a child or was that not you were more mm. the adults or were you with children because I'm thinking of myself children don't act like uh, don't often <laughs> act the way they're supposed to or that they're required <laughs> to by a court and they might um, I don't know want to cuddle you or something have you ever been in that position Yes, yes, yes. Um, but it, when I first started, there was no child witness service. Yep. Now there is. But when I, previous, when I first started out in the job, there were no um, specific services for children. So all of the children um, who were involved in a prosecution case came to us, the adult service. But we were everything. And so, yes, we've, we've got some hilarious stories. One of the most hilarious is when they were sitting at lunchtime, a group, a family group, um, they're quite young um, children who were giving evidence one after the other, um, and they came down to the office to have their lunch and um, – one of my colleagues uh, was sitting having her lunch and then her phone rang, so she ran to her office to answer it. And when she came back, this gorgeous little poppet said to her, your lunch is cold. And um, Renee said, um, what do you mean? How do you know? I just heated it up. And she said, oh, well, I just had some. <laughs> um, we've had... Uh, We've had situations with um, the puppy dog, you, you know, how uh, we've got a support dog. Well, we had a very complicated situation um, up at the Child Witness Service and so I was assisting uh, the family um, alongside the Child Witness um, support worker who was in the remote room with each of the kids while they gave their evidence. And yeah. um, one of the kids came running out screaming saying, I don't want that dog in there, he farts. <laughs> Yep, you know they say you should never on television, radio. Don't work with kids or animals. Or animals, yeah. Oh, we've had both. (laughs) Oh, isn't that gorgeous? Um, Actually, yeah, but you can't, um, if a child tried to, just to answer your question, if a child um, reached out to me while they were giving their evidence, I would actually say to the judge, we need a break, please, Your Honour, and then they'd switch the cameras off really quickly. They're quite in tune with the fact that, um, you know, kids respond differently and need the need that tactile support very often, or just want to run out the room and cuddle their mum. So, you know, um, mm. a lot of allowances are made. Is there any any uh, situation where a parent would be able to sit with a child or in the vicinity or not? Mm. No, no, that can be right outside the door. Um, but it's, it's, uh, the, uh, it's preferred by the court that it'd be someone independent. Mm. 
Um, I mean, it makes it difficult for the child, and they don't understand this either, but it makes it difficult for the child futuristically if, um, for example, Arnie Joan has been in the room with them and been privy to all of the, you know, warts and all um, evidence and then, you know, is overheard by the child or someone else at a Christmas party telling people what, they heard and then that child is, you know, mm, mortified, mm. embarrassed, you know, mm. like mm. even though the shame shouldn't rest on them, of course it does. Um, they yeah. feel it acutely. So, um, yes, so we're, we're quite parental in our role in telling the parent. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's not a, it's not appropriate and it's not allowed. It's like when you, you would have had a situation or more than once where, um, the father of a young woman or the boyfriend of a young woman says, I'm going to be there with her, I'm going to be by her side the whole time. Yeah, it's yeah. just not appropriate. And, mm. you know, you don't know what you don't know and that young woman doesn't understand that once mm. that father or that boy hears all mm. of that evidence mm. um, and also, you know, sometimes people gild the lily if there's someone present. That That's right. Yep. You know, knows yeah. the man, they know that what they say is going to upset them. Mm. Um, then they're not as um, they're not as verbal, you know. They often there are things that they may not say, and that's not helpful to the case. Um, mm. or them ultimately. So mm. yeah, you're best mm. to have someone independent. Yeah, um, that that makes sense. And and what would be the youngest person that you've helped? Uh, remotely in giving evidence about a sexual assault? Four. Four? I can... Four. We didn't actually make it into the room. Um, I'll just give you the quick version. We uh, was uh, I was sitting at the table um, with this uh, little person and his mother and um, the prosecutor turned up to, to meet him him and um he called me out first and said oh and we can't we can't do this a four-year-old we cannot put Mm. a four-year-old through this this is just uh, and it was more about him than and i said look pete just come in and meet him Mm. before you make your final decision but i think you'll be surprised yeah and um anyway so he trusted me and he came in and he sat down and he started chatting to him and I won't give you the warts and all because it's a bit rude but mm. um <laughs> this the, the prosecutor said to this little child do you know why you're here today and he said yes I've come to tell you all about what my dad did to me that mm. he shouldn't have done because it was bad mm. and um and he chatted away a bit more and then Pete got up from the table I walked outside with him and he said game on yeah. So yeah, we went up to the. Um, they went up to court. I kept the child and mum with me, and then um, sometime later they came back and we had a plea of guilty. Yeah. And it was mm. because the magistrate felt the same as the prosecutor. We can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. Yeah. And then Peter um, repeated the conversation that he just had with the child to the magistrate, and the magistrate said to the yeah. um, defence counsel, "I think you better have a chat to your client." Yeah, yeah. And so we've got a guilty plea at the very first instance. So, you know, it was a win-win. The child didn't have to be put through it, even though I think he wouldn't have been traumatised by it. Yep. Um, 
and I don't know whether there would have been any lasting impacts from the actual doing the do. There might be from what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. Because it was his dad. But um, mm. I think, you know, and the accused got a discount for pleading at the earlier opportunity. So, mm, Please, let's not go mean? there. Okay. Oh, no, no, I just mean, you know, I'd... For a father to be uh, to have abused his own son, and like this is at four, the little um, child is giving evidence. So who knows oh, what's right. happened prior or how long it's yeah. been going on for? But um, a guilty. I oh, know the child was very clear about that. It happened yeah. twice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, twice too too many. But then again, well, that they do have to be. Uh, you do have to take into consideration a, a guilty plea, don't you? And that's why um, it well, we saves- need more of them to plead guilty, Narelle. Do we ever? Yeah, we do. We need more of them to plead guilty rather than put these um, mm. people through this horrific experience over and over again. Like you know, some some matters can take years by the time they get through. You know, magistrates' court, county court, appeal court, retrial. You know, like it's just mm, that's yeah. why I'm I'm up for this pre-record of their evidence, their statements, because mm. we can just press play each time. So you've spoken a little bit about the lighter moments, as in the dog, pardon me, but farting. Uh, what mm. about has there been any awkward or difficult moments in a witness or victim's testimony which uh, maybe troubled you or surprised you or yeah? Oh. Plenty. Oh, <laughs> How long have we got? <laughs> uh, Give us a couple. Give us a couple. Five. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one that really, really, I'll never forget it. And it's, you know, 20 years ago, but I've still never forgotten it. And it's one, it was a fraud case where this guy, um, purported to be, you know, in the CIA and he really was, he took this family for thousands and thousands of dollars mm. and we're in the old county court. So that tells you how long ago it was. But it's yeah. stuck in my brain because the son, who was quite a techno whiz, um, the son thought that, you know, his mum was being ripped off and that this was all a bit dodgy. So he started recording everything. Every time this bloke was around, <laughs> he he was recording. <laughs> anyway, he didn't tell the police. He didn't tell anyone until he got into the witness box and he's being cross-examined. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And um, he says the the. Um, cross-examiner, the defence lawyer says to him, you seem to have a pretty accurate memory of this exact conversation. And the boy goes, yeah, I've got it all on tape. <laughs> and, the, and the judge interrupted. Game and over. Said, I, beg your, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. What if you got taped? And he said, the boy said everything. I, he said, I've even comprised a best of tape. <laughs> So he had a compilation tape of the best stuff this bloke had ever said, like, meet me on top of the Westgate Bridge, I've got a helicopter. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Coming to pick yeah. us up. And yeah. uh, you know, like seriously, it was just a hoot. So, um, yeah, there's all sorts of things that come out. But a lot of the stuff um, that I think has surprised me is um, – the the information that comes to a person who's being cross-examined because they're being asked a question about like why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they remember that they did do something but it's nowhere in their evidence or statement or anything Yep. yep and they think oh yeah actually I actually did make that phone call or I did do this or I did do that so but the trauma of the whole situation has allowed them to not mm. recall that when they're making the formal mm. statement and then it comes out in cross-examination. And I always like that. I always think that's, you know, um, good on you for saying that because a lot of people think if I haven't said it before, I can't say it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they can. It's mm. their evidence. Mm. It's their response and they can say whatever they like mm. with the world pretty much. Yep. Uh, 
What are your thoughts on judges and other court personnel, for that matter, uh, wearing wigs, you know, the black capes and all the other legal trimmings they adorn? Uh, as I would think many appearing in court could find that really intimidating. Um, forewarned is forearmed. Um, if you've got a hospital, everyone's got a uniform on. If you go to the police station, everyone's got a uniform on unless you're a detective. Um, there are, uniforms are a part of life. And a wig and a robe, although a lot of them don't wear wigs anymore, but the wig and the robe is part of the court uniform. And so we show people when we're orienting them to the court and to the process. Um, we would show people um, pictures. Uh, we would take them up to an empty courtroom for a, um, a tour. We would take them into the remote TV mm. room mm. and show them how the technology works. Mm. And while we were doing all that, um, there would be barristers and lawyers and people on the street wearing wigs and robes to and from court. Mm. Um, and it just became their uniform, Durga. So mm. I understand why people um, in the judiciary may not want to give them up because um, one of the reasons that they like to wear them is be, um, for the purposes of anonymity, and it's true. You mm. see a judge mm. that you've only ever seen on the bench in a wig and robe and then you see them out at the cafe next door getting a coffee, you don't recognise them mostly. Yeah, true, yeah, true, yeah. I, I think what you're saying is in with court in general, it's so much about, well, it's all in preparing the person that Ooh. is going to be giving evidence that this is how the court works, this is how it looks, this is how the people are dressed. And and as you said mm -hmm. before, forewarned is forearmed. So mm -hmm. if they know that these people are going to be having um, wigs on and they're going to be dressed yep. a certain way, but if you yep. didn't prep them properly, it would be intimidating. But you're right, it is about preparation. Yes, Yes. And I mean, you can't prepare them in terms of their evidence. No. Um, because that would be improper. Um, but you can certainly prepare them for what the system um, comprises, what the system looks like. Um, who goes first? Who goes second? Yeah. Is there a third? Yeah, there is re examination. Um, can the judge ask me questions? Yes, they can. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I ask questions? Well, you can try, but you probably can. <laughs> Good luck with that uh, one. <laughs> yeah, um, but you can certainly ask for a break anytime you want a break, anytime you want a break, um, and for as long as you want. So if you go back in too early um, and you haven't had a long enough break, then you're going to need another one quite quickly. Mm. So if you need 15 minutes, we'll take 15 minutes. If you need 20, we'll take 20. We'll take as long as you want because the court will wait for you, for your mm. evidence. Mm. Mm. You I know, try always to impart how important that person's voice is. Yes, yeah. Because, again, no victim, no gig, not one of those 20 people in that courtroom has a gig if we don't have, sadly, a crime that's been committed against a person. Mm, yeah, you're right. You know, it reminds me 
one of the first times I ever gave evidence at Melbourne, the old Melbourne Magistrates Court. And it was all getting a little bit difficult. I was in the the witness box giving evidence as the informant. You know, it was all very, very, I felt very important, very important. Mm -hmm. And Mm. I can remember... I've started, they were giving me a bit of a, a bit of curry about something. And I remember it all got a bit hard. And I asked <laughs> if I could be excused and go and speak to my sergeant. <laughs> uh, no. Who that guy? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> you can well, stay look, right just, there. I've oh. had to give evidence a few times to Narelle and I'm glad I've had the experience because I can actually speak to that experience. Informants give evidence in every case more than once. So yep. you yep. can speak to that experience and tell people how nervous um, you get before you go in and you've done it, you know, hundreds of times but you still get nervous because yep. I think they need that and they need that um, that understanding, if you like, that it's it's um, it's normal to be nervous. It's normal to be mm. frightened. It's fear of the unknown. Mm. Um, but but how important their voice is, and that's why it always came out with me. Um, you know, it's so important. Your voice is so important. And look, I've only given evidence about trivia, about basically about nothing and mm. I'm so nervous um, but <laughs> yeah. you're, you know and my evidence was not of any importance but your evidence is like so important um, that you it would be abnormal to to not be nervous about oh yeah God yeah man. it would be apart from um, people say that one of the most uh, nerve-wracking things you can do is do public speaking I think mm. the other one is giving evidence in court. And as you mm. say, police give evidence in court, or, or not so much these days, but in my in my day, in my day, we gave evidence all the time and it didn't matter yeah. how well prepared you were. Uh, no. You know, it was a nerve-wracking experience. Um, have you ever had a situation where a victim couldn't give evidence due to their nerves or anxiety? Yep. Yep. I'm so pleased I can count it on one hand. But yes, I have, I have, oh. and I've I've had to, you know, advocate for that person to the prosecutor, because sadly, the ones that I can recall that I've um, not been able to give evidence or go back in uh, have been um, those where we've had what the crown would call a really strong case, and um, it's it's really hard to let go. Like, can you explain really that for the? Can like you explain it. what you mean by that? Well, in sexual assault cases, it's um, often very, very difficult where you've got a word-on-word situation. He said, she said. Um, in some cases, you have um, because sex offenders don't commit offences in front of you know members of the public. Mm. Um, if you've got a case where you've got, for example, strong forensic evidence. Um, where you've got uh, physical injuries, which are quite rare. People think that someone who's been assaulted is going mm. to have a lot of physical injuries, but that's quite rare. Yeah, it is. Um, so cases like that um, where there's other and maybe um, good corroborative evidence like she told someone, she or he told someone straight away or went straight to the police station. Or, or it was on CCTV footage or like that one on in the CCTV. laneway. 
and he yes. still and he still won. Yes. How yes, the yes. hell? Anyway, that's for another pod. That's for number six <laughs> podcast. But yeah, sorry, sorry, Anne, I interrupted. Yeah. So yeah, so you've got situations like that, and um, the the victim survivors so traumatized that they just can't continue or mm. can't go on on the fir- in the first place, mm. and the prosecutors like, can you can you try harder? Can you encourage more? Can you you know this is a really strong case mm. and. Um, because I know what I know and I've been around long enough to know when someone is at their limit and, you know, uh, there's nothing that I am prepared to do to push them over the edge. So uh, I just won't. I'll just say I'm sorry. I've done the best I can. Mm. It's it's too dangerous to to do this, to pursue it. and have you have yeah, you been have asked to, to give go. have you been asked to give evidence about that person's ability to give evidence? No. No. Okay. Would you no. ever be? Is that a something that the courts could do? <laughs> it has happened to me once, but I never ended up in the box because the director of public prosecutions at the time. Um, well, actually, all of the DPPs that I've worked under have said no, our social workers will not give evidence. Mm-hmm. Full stop. So um, this particular day, um, it was one of the underbelly um, uh, killings and a young boy saw something or saw the yep. event. Yep. Um, and he, he came along to court with his father. Um, he didn't want, the father didn't want to bring him. He's only 12. Mm-hmm. Um, the father didn't want to bring him. Um, but he was an eyewitness to something really important. So, um I encouraged the father to bring him and then I said to the court, I said to our guys, you know, you've got a very small window here. Um, this father's very anxious about his boy. I've got a 12-year-old. I had a 12-year-old at the time. I understand where he's coming from yeah. and I don't know how long I can hold on to him. So don't faff around. Get yep. this boy yep. in, done, out. out. Yep. Anyway, they didn't. They dragged the chain. So, of course, the dad said, I'm not coming back after lunch. Neither's my boy. We're going home. Fair enough. And they left and they didn't come back. Yep. And so I had to go and tell our, our blokes, well, I'm sorry, but your window's closed. And the judge was very, very upset with me. Not with <gasps> the court faffing around. With, with me. you? With me. So he asked that <gasps> I present myself at 9.30 the next morning and go into the witness box and explain to him why I didn't rugby tackle this 12-year-old to the ground and hang on to him until after he'd given evidence. And I was so upset. <gasps> so I went, I went straight to the director and told him what had happened and he said, meet you downstairs in five. He comes flying down with his wig and robe on. We go marching up to the court and the judge comes on the bench at 9.35 and the the director's sitting at the bar table <laughs> next to the prosecutor. Oh, I'm I love it. The director. <laughs> and um, the judge goes, oh, Oh, um, oh, okay. Uh, look, I've, it, I, I've, I've had a think overnight and <laughs> I've decided that it would be inappropriate for me to call Ms O'Brien to explain what happened yesterday. Um, I just have to take the prosecutor's word for it. Um, I'm sure that's accurate and um, I'm sorry we've wasted your time, Director. Anyway, as we were walking out, the Director, I'm not going to mention his name because he'd be mortified. Yeah. But as we're walking out of court, he says in a very loud whisper, well, that spoils all my fun, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, oh. hilarious. But yes, I've ne- so word gets out, and no, I've never been called before before that or since. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, that's very funny. So, how do you actually calm people down enough to give evidence? Like, do you have any secrets? Oh, Gina, real. Depends on the person. I've got lots and lots of tactics that I use. And do you use um, humor? I'm thinking humor. Oh my god, all the time. Do you tell rude, do you tell rude jokes? No, no, I don't tell rude jokes, but I do tell stories. <laughs> I do tell stories from my experiences, like we're doing now. I talk about, yeah. you know. Um, you know, someone who didn't want to get into the witness box and every time she thought about it, she'd have to run to the toilet and have a chuck. So I decided, well, this isn't good enough. I just went out and bought a blue bucket. And um, we sat in the room with the blue bucket and she didn't need another chuck. And I was so pleased because that meant I didn't have to clean out the bucket. Yeah. And, you know, things like that, that works with some people. Um, Men... Men are hard. Men are really, I've always really, really enjoyed working. Not enjoyed. I've found it really challenging. Yeah. But I've also found it very, very. Satisfying? um, Yeah, almost. Because a lot of people can't get men to the gate, but I was able to. And I always found that really, um, really important for them. It mostly, mostly I went, I would go back over the history of, like their history of coming forward. Yeah. So, you know, mostly I would, um, you know, the first person you told, um, who was that? And then you ultimately you went to the police. Why did you do that? Um, And Mm. you went to the police and you made your statement and you were believed. And then you went to, you hung in there through the committal and the magistrate mm-hmm. committed the matter for trial because you were believed. And now we're here at the county court. We're in front of a jury. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you don't want to take the chance. Mm. And then yeah. they, they do. They do want to take the chance. They've come all that way, mm. done all that work. Mm. And you're right, Anne. I remember a um, a male victim, an adult, uh, from um, giving evidence about when he was a child, and it was nearly impossible to get him to the oh to get him to the court. And uh, yes, I I understand exactly what you mean. And I felt really. I think he felt better too when he he, yes. got, he got through it. But it was just that. Um, Mm. Awkwardness, embarrassment, humiliation—it was a whole lot of things. Now, Anne, we we mm. are starting. I have to start winding up because our session is close to ending. But I wanted okay. to I wanted to finish on your retirement. Now, <laughs> I went to your retirement function a few months ago. Some of which thanks I for coming. <laughs> did I go? Did I? <laughs> Some you of had which, a great time. I know. I it, think you got and, best on ground, didn't you, Sherry? And <laughs> and just leave it yes. at that. Thanks. Um, well, best on ground. I think myself and a colleague got best on ground that night. But anyway, but what I do remember 
was the vast range of people who spoke so glowing, glowingly of you as a person and their appreciation in the support you provided for the court and really for the state, I suppose. Um, there mm. were judges there, QCs, which are now we now have to call cases, uh, barristers, mm-hmm. detectives from every squad known to man who are clearly very, very dear friends now. They're not just work colleagues. Mm-hmm. And I must admit, being introduced to a judge who'd presided over a matter that I'd had in court years ago now, and you know how we're all so very, very prim and proper, and in, being introduced yeah. to him as Knuckles rather than Rana, <laughs> it felt very uncomfortable. But one of your many traits is the ability to converse with people from all walks of life and make them feel at ease. And it's probably why you were just so good at what you did. So you are known for your great sense of fun, adventure and humour. Where does that come from? Did you come from a family of like, did you come from a really uh, happy childhood, a happy family? Yes, 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 yes. But very straighty, 80, Roman Catholic, Irish. Yeah. You know, big family. Um, well, my family's not big. I've just got the two brothers and the eldest and the loudest and um, very different <laughs> to all of, like, you know, very different to my parents and very different to my brothers. I'm very, um, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. I just love people and I love working with people. And I love, yeah. I, and as you can see, I love talking. I just could talk forever, a bit like yeah. your good self, you know. We could just ke- we could talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles. <laughs> but I think we could. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, you know. I just um, I wanted to come home from my job every day. Um, and be able to say I did the best I could. And and that meant working as part of a team. That meant, um, you know, my integrity and my professionalism is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think people can see that about people. And so I've, I've always felt very, pretty much always felt very um, well respected and yeah. listened to. And, um, yeah, I felt like I've been able to be a real advocate for people um, uh, who have been through the system Mm. um, because I can explain the system Mm. and I understand the system and I know so many people in the system. I had a boss once who who said, um, Anne O'Brien, all one word, you speak two languages, you speak legal and human. Um, I love it. And I think probably that's what's enabled me to keep going and keep enjoying because no day is ever the same. No victim's ever the same. No day is ever the same. Mm, No case is ever the same. Uh, It's all about the human side and that's what's Mm. always, yeah, Mm. yeah, just Mm. really, really enjoyed it. So nothing else is ever going to be beat that, like nothing is, you know. No, but you just don't know what's around the corner. And, look, um, we are going to have to close, but just on behalf of every victim and witness you've ever spoken to, supported and comforted, (laughs) thank you for your wisdom, your words and your compassion and from every detective or police person you've also supported in your role with the OPP. You are always such an integral part of every successful court case and thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thanks, Anne. Thanks so much, Narelle. Thank you, darling.
As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Thanks.